0: Week. Okay. All right. We'll just, we'll try that. You guys can give me feedback if it's not. Okay. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Um, yeah. So thanks to Leslie for asking me to speak. Um, I am the archives person for Living Sober. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I feel like in AA and in Living Sober, like this is the first time in my life where I've really felt like connected to like a queer group of people and it feels so good. Like even I was in the archives room right before this and I was talking to two women who have been coming to this conference for um like thirty years and just like hearing their stories about what it was like back in the day and um I don't know, it just feels really special to be connected to that history and like the history of gay people and the history of, um, women. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's really special. So I'm, I'm really grateful to be here. Um, my sobriety date is October 24th, 2013. So hopefully if I don't fuck it up, I'll have six years in October. Um, and yeah, I, uh, I grew up in the Bay area. Um, I didn't grow up in an alcoholic family, but there's like a lot of alcoholism in my family, and I I definitely feel like for me, it, it feels like something that is like genetic, like in my DNA, um, and that was told to me that maybe it was, uh, genetic, and that I should be careful. But obviously, uh, you know, here we are. Um, so. Uh, yeah, so I, my childhood was, was pretty good. My, my parents were very loving. My dad, um, ended up passing away when I was around nine. And that definitely, like, changed my family experience. Like, my mom, um, Like I said, is, uh, I never experienced her to be an alcoholic when I was growing up, but she definitely, like, after my dad passed away, like, was doing definitely the best that she could, but I felt like it really created this space where it was, like, very sad in my house. And, like, that's the moment that I remember being like, I, like, don't like that. Like, I don't want to feel sad. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. Like, I want everything to feel good all the time and i mean i think that's as early as i can like identify where sort of like those alcoholic type feelings um kind of came into play um yeah, so I started um I started doing drugs actually before I ever started drinking. Like I was a little bit of a late bloomer when it came to the alcohol piece, but the meth piece <laughs> kicked off pretty quickly <laughs> for me. Um I like I I grew up in the Bay Area, so like there was like definitely a very thriving like rave scene here in the early 2000s and I'm assuming before that, but I wasn't really around for that. Um but like yeah, I started going to those parties and doing ecstasy and then that like Really sort of, um, transitioned into like a much darker vibe of like doing meth and like really scary places with like people that were like in their 40s and 50s and, um, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Like, uh, I think, um, I just, as a teenager, like I just craved that feeling of, of, Yeah, wanting to control exactly how I felt and wanting to feel good all the time. And then I think that's where I learned, like, oh, I can manipulate people to, like, get what I want and to get drugs and to, and I'm willing to put myself in uncomfortable situations to, like, as a means to that end, right? Um, So I actually stopped uh, doing meth when I was in my later teens. And I was, like, a daily user. Um, but like a bunch of shit happened, like my, my mom tried to send me to rehab, which was like a bummer, Um and, <laughs> and I was like, I'm moving out! Uh, which I did. Uh, but anyway, like, through a, a very, series of events that occurred, like, in my late teens is like when I started drinking, and immediately when I started drinking I was like, this is incredible like you can get it so much more easily like you don't have to do like weird stuff to get it and like and i just loved the feeling so like from from the time i started drinking like i remember when i f- very first started drinking i was drinking like a fifth of vodka every day and i remember being like i'm this is much more, this is much more of a healthy choice, um, because I was, like, eating and, like, you know, I don't know, I just, I didn't identify it as at all strange that I would, like, go to school and drink all day and, like, sometimes throw up in the afternoon and then continue to drink and then go to bed, like, um, so, uh, I ended up, um, going to SF State for college, uh, and, uh, and I don't know, like my 20s, um, my 20s were a bit of a blur, as I'm sure many of you can relate. <laughs> um, but yeah, I um, I started, I was dating a, a guy, actually, for like four years in my early 20s. And um, the whole time we were dating, I was like, I'm pretty sure like I'm not straight um and definitely bisexual at a minimum uh but i but i like didn't i like didn't want to be gay like i didn't want that and i and i cared so much and i mean i grew up in berkeley so like <laughs> but i think you know it's like we live in a homophobic ass world right and like i think i just i couldn't any negative feedback or like anyone not liking me or thinking i was uncool or like any any way that i couldn't control how i presented to other people was like too much for me so i just think that that's like a, an interesting thing to think about and and i really thought like maybe cuz like when you watch those lifetime movies it's always like someone has a big secret and then when they confess the secret then they get better and so i always thought for me like i would like when i came out that I would, that I wouldn't be an alcoholic, or that I would stop drinking, right, and then, like, when I came out, I drank, like, more than ever, (laughs) um, so that was, like, interesting to notice, right, um, yeah, and, uh, so, yeah, came out in my, in my later, uh, in my mid-20s and started dating women, I'll kind of fast forward, because I'm short on time, but, uh, I ended up going to law school because i'm like a big fan of crime television, <laughs> and it wasn't super well thought out um, but I ended up applying and getting in and and that was the first time where I actually really made i think a group of friends where like the focus wasn't um, drugs or alcohol right and i like i it was incredible because I like, had this group of friends that I felt like really cared about me and like had these connections that I had really been looking for i think um but I uh, but it also highlighted like how different I was than those other people because it's like right when you're hanging out with a bunch of people that are getting fucked up all the time, like you don't stand out, and I definitely like uh, my friends like did drink a fair amount because we were you know younger and whatever but but my drinking was definitely like noticeable. And and I think it was like around that time, like I already knew I was an alcoholic. Like I was I I mean, I would drink in the morning, I would hide bottles, like all this stuff. I was like, I feel like people don't do that that aren't alcoholics. That was just my opinion. Um, uh and I, I felt like, yeah, some at some point in my mid twenties, I was like, I know I'm gonna have to stop drinking, but like I'll do it later, like in my later thirties, maybe forties, <laughs> flexible on it. Um But I think um I ended up actually getting sober. Um, I feel like I would have kept drinking for a lot longer, but I had a friend who um, I was in a wedding with. Like, we were both bridesmaids, and um, I was staying with her for this wedding, and I, like, (laughs) rolled into our, like, Airbnb, and I was like, hey, and I was wasted, obviously, already. And she was like, oh, just, like, as an FYI, like, I have 60 days sober, so, like, I'm not going to be drinking on this trip. And I was like, oh... Me too. Like I thought she was kidding, (laughs) but she was, she was dead serious. And, um, and so like I was watching her like that weekend. Um, and like, and actually it's funny because we're still friends now. She's still sober. And like now hearing, um, what that experience of that weekend was like for her, can you imagine going to like a completely like cocaine fueled, alcohol fueled wedding at 60 days? Like, horrifying. So like for she was having the worst time ever but into my mind or like when I was watching her I was like she's incredible. She's like the superhero like she looked so beautiful and she was like chatting with everyone and like having the best time and I was like oh like it just gave me this whole different like window into like maybe what sobriety could look like and like at that time like I mean I was extremely depressed like I was drinking like pretty much around the clock anytime that I wasn't in class like I would I mean grow like I was sort of like bottoming out and like considering suicide as like a really viable option and so it like The, just like the timing was very sort of like fortuitous. And so when we got back, um, to the Bay Area, I asked her to take me to a meeting and, um, she took me to the 10 years after women's meeting in Potrero, which is an incredible meeting. Yeah. I was just like, oh wow. So AA is just like power lesbians, just like (laughs) kicking, (laughs) like talking about like badass shit that they're doing. I was like, okay, this is cool. Like maybe I could, maybe I could do this. And, um, and, yeah, so I've, I've been coming to meetings ever since. Someone told me, actually not someone in this program, but um, someone told me very early, like, get a sponsor, because, like, that's where the real work happens. Like, going to meetings is great, but, like, doing the steps, that's where you actually make um, change. And, um, yeah, so I got a sponsor. We still work together six years later. Yes! Give it up for Kim! <laughs> um... <laughs> and yeah, it's really, it's really special. I feel so fortunate, um, to have such an amazing experience with another person and like to really be able to like receive feedback and actually sometimes use it <laughs> to make change. Um, it's, it's very special. Um, yeah. So, um, what's it like today? I have a couple of minutes. Um, so yeah, I was able to I after I got sober, I was able to graduate law school, I passed the bar, which was uh yeah, which was cool. <laughs> I like never share that. I think cuz I feel like it's like bragging, but I don't know. Like it was it was a cool experience because I also think like I had like 7 or 8 months when I took the bar and I just remember at that time being like everyone was so stressed out and like panicking like what would happen and like I obviously was too, but I also was just so happy to be sober and like felt like that was such a bigger accomplishment that like it it mattered less, you know? And I think because I held onto it more loosely because of that, like that's one thing that helped me uh, pass. Um, but yeah, I don't, My um, my sobriety experience has been honestly really incredible and I know maybe that's not everyone's experience but I just, um, I feel like I didn't, I knew nothing about myself before I got sober. Like, I had no idea what I enjoyed, what my boundaries were, like, what boundaries were. <laughs> um, uh, you know, like, and so, like, the first year, especially, was like this very special time of like, just like, I felt like, I felt like I missed all of these, like, maybe, these, like, tender experiences that you have as a teenager where you, like, go out to milkshakes with your friends and, like, you know, you talk about people you have a crush on and, like, you figure out what you like to do and you figure out what you're looking for and maybe someone to date. And, like, all of these, like, things I felt, like, happened, like, yeah, in my first couple years of sobriety. And it just felt so uh, good. and, And I feel like every year that I'm sober like obviously shitty and upsetting things happen and it's really hard to stay sober through them but i think that like i don't know i i i feel like my big thesis statement about sobriety is like it's it's just it's just so rare in this world to be 100% present for every single thing in your life like even people that aren't alcoholics like or or people that yeah, the people that aren't alcoholics, like, they will drink when something sad happens or they'll, you know, do something to, like, change the way that they feel. And I, I feel like all of the internal emotional benefits that I've gotten as a sober person comes from that experience of even when things are, like, so painful, like, just still being present for that, like, it grows this, like, really fulfilling emotional space. So, yeah, that got a little new agey, but... Um, <laughs> Maybe I'll end it there. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Thank you, Nora. Uh Jan, are you? And help me uh please help me welcome Jan.
1: I'm Jan, I'm an alcoholic. I'm oddly nervous. I don't get nervous uh, doing this much anymore, but I do feel a little nervous today. I've never heard Nora's story, that was lovely. Um, I came into uh, Alcoholics Anonymous in May 1984. I've been sober half my life. I probably wouldn't have a life if I hadn't gotten sober. Uh, I, uh, I grew up in a family that, for no particular reason, moved around the country. We weren't in the military. Uh, we moved north and south. My, my uh, dad was a northerner, my mother was a southerner, and so we just went back and forth <laughs> <laughs> numerous times uh, trying to get it right, I guess. Uh, I was quite shy, and the moving didn't help. Um, and I didn't, uh, we ended up in Wisconsin in a little town called Whitehall, Wisconsin when I was a sophomore in high school. And I went to three years of high school there, dated a guy named John that was like, uh, four years older than I was. I was 15. Uh, and, uh, until he went to college. So I didn't really know that, uh, I was gay, though I, some of you would not be old enough to remember this, but I used to have a big crush on Annette Fellas. <laughs> Annette? <laughs> I can't think of her name now, <laughs> but some of you know who she was. Uh, and uh you know, I never thought much about that. I just, there was just something that was there. And uh when I got to college, my parents dropped me off and I was in my room and I was so terrified, I could not open the door until someone knocked on it. That's just how how insecure, and uh, I, I just didn't know who I was. I didn't know how people would receive me. You know, I was just unbearably shy. But someone did knock on the door, and I went to a room where there were other freshmen, and I met this gal named Gloria. And I immediately sang out, "Patty Smith going, <laughs> G-L-O-R-I-A. <laughs> And uh, we became friends And uh, for my freshman year. Well, that summer she was gone, and I uh, stayed in, the, uh, in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, where the college was. And I met a gal named Charlotte, and Charlotte took me to Madison, Wisconsin to, pra- to, to have a drink and, uh, for the weekend. And I went, and my first drink was a six-pack. <laughs> you know, I started, and I didn't think it tasted very good. And I don't know if I ever thought it tasted very good, <laughs> but I sure kept drinking it. And I actually hallucinated, and got very, very ill. I was pro- I probably had alcohol poisoning. Um, that didn't stop me uh, from drinking again. But uh, Eau Claire, the college town, was uh, the age was 21, so it wasn't real available unless you know you got out of got out of town. So my drinking didn't really escalate. So much at that time. Uh, it wasn't that I didn't get drunk again, but uh, I just didn't have the opportunity. Um, so, uh, my sophomore year, I was uh, roommates with Gloria, and uh, she and I became lovers, and then I, everything made sense. <laughs> you know, I just, it was like, oh, okay, this is what it's about. So, uh, I threw God out the window because I thought God might not approve. <laughs> and, uh, And went on from there. Well, she, I was her maid, I was the maid of honor in her wedding to a man. Uh, And that was kind of when drinking started to look a little more appealing. And uh, I moved to Minneapolis and I was there seven years and I had groups of friends and we went to the bar and we started going to the bar on Tuesday nights and, or Wednesday nights and then we ended on Tuesday nights. And we just went to the bar all the time. And um, and this suited me quite well. Uh, my apartment was always very neat. I didn't live there very often. I just wasn't there very often. Um, and that pattern continued. I was a bar drinker and uh, it was so fun when I moved to California, when I moved to San Francisco because we had neighborhood bars here back then. We had Mauds and Scots and Pegs and all these different places, and um, I was kind of a Scots girl. That's where I went for a while. And on a pretty much daily basis, um, I was working downtown. Uh, there finally came a day when uh, I would go to work in the morning. Uh, I would the way I would <laughs> I would set an alarm. I would get up. I would put the kettle on for coffee because I think that's how I made it back then, and. Uh, Then the kettle would scream, and that's how I got up and would get ready for work. Um, And then, you know, there just came a time when every day I'd go, well, I'm not going to go out drinking tonight. And, of course, every afternoon it seemed like a really good idea to go out drinking again. (laughs) So that's just, that was my uh, life as, uh, you know, as an alcoholic. And uh, I did... Lots of drugs during those times. Uh, They were never mine. (laughs) But uh, they were pretty available all over the place. And um, so what started to happen was uh, my drinking started to not work anymore. Uh, I could drink a couple, and I would be off my head drunk. Or I could drink lots, and I felt stone cold sober. So... um, that was. Uh, I, I was. I am. I'm very grateful for that, actually, because I have no desire to go back out. There's nothing fun waiting for me out there, um, and I don't know what would happen anyway. So getting sober, though, I was scared to death. to Get sober, and my shyness came back. Uh, that's obviously left me. Since then, a lot of you know, uh, and. Uh, I got a sponsor, a gay man named Charles Chambers. He, he, he died many years ago uh, from from AIDS, but he was my first sponsor, and uh, I did my fourth step with him. And uh, the steps, you know, the steps are the way to stay sober, and if you haven't done them, I hope you do them soon, and I hope you do them with someone you trust, um, and I trusted him, and he he was uh, weaving, I think, while i told my <laughs> while I told my four step, you know, very calm i didn 't even know if he was listening, but uh when I left, when I left after doing that, I actually did feel relief. I really felt something uh, lift off of me, a weight that had been there for a long time, and uh My first year, I cried a lot. Sometimes I cried sitting in front of my sofa because I was too upset to get on my sofa. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it was a, I mean, there's a lot of things I obviously don't remember anymore. I am 70. Uh, But uh, I've remained sober this entire time, and I'm really, really grateful for that. I've been able to travel in my sobriety. I have a sister that's lived in Ireland for over 36 years, and I was a year sober my first trip there, and I've been a number of times since, and I plan to go this November for three weeks, and I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I love to travel. I love to travel alone because I meet people, and I get to talk to them, and I've met people from AA. You know, I, I had a woman give me a, you know, a... Uh, A grapevine one time, she saw me sitting drinking a soda and there was just something, she said, there was something about you. And so she came over and we started talking and all of a sudden it was obvious, you know, we had something in common and she said, well, I have this grapevine. She said, "Uh, you can take it on your trip and you'll have, you know, you'll have time to read it. Uh, There's been a lot of amazing things uh, that happened that I call real miracles uh, my father had a stroke, uh, a very severe stroke. We did, I didn't know if he was going to live or die. Uh, my sister uh, was going to pay for the trip, but when I got to the airport, they wouldn't they take her information because she lived in Wisconsin. And I called a member of AA, and within 20 minutes, I was on the plane going home to see my dad. Um, and he lived for another uh, two and a half years, and he died at the age of seventy three uh, two years after that my uh, my mother passed away and I never saw her after my dad 's funeral, though I spoke to her every week and I used to send her books because she taught me uh, the love of reading, and I'd send her the uh, large print books and uh, and she seemed to really enjoy that and They were uh, given to the library of the little town where they ended up living uh, after she passed away. Um, Today, this might be why I'm a little nervous, today is the anniversary of my younger sister's death. She died in 2005 of ovarian cancer. Uh, Luckily, she lived for about three and a half years after she was diagnosed. Uh, But for many years, she had been my best friend And uh, give me my water. And uh, so I just uh, want to give a shout out to her. She was a wonderful gal. She was not an alcoholic, Uh, but she was adventuresome, and uh, and we had that in common. I have two other sisters, a younger sister and an older sister, um, who I love uh, totally unconditionally. And the truth was, I moved, you know, my alcoholism took me away from my family. Um, I was always too busy to go visit. I always had something to do. And uh, I can't believe the gift that I've gotten since I've been sober because uh, I just adore my family and now I have, I have, 11, <laughs> I have 11 nieces and nephews. They seem to have children. I now have 18 grandnieces and nephews. Uh, being a single woman who likes to tra- travel alone, I get to meet them all. And when I get to Ireland, I'll be meeting three brand new ones that I've never met before. And the latest one that was born, uh, his name is Leo and he has Down syndrome and he's such a beautiful baby, and I'm just thrilled to meet him. Um, I really can't, I've had the honor of being the treasurer of Living Sober this year. And I have to tell you, this has been one of the happiest years of my life. I've made friends that um, I will always have. And um, I've gotten to know more people a little more intimately. Uh, I'm single and I really don't mind that and I've been single for many years uh, because in some ways being single has allowed me to do a lot of things that I might not have done had I been in a relationship. I'm happy for those that are in relationships. I bless them. (laughs) I send you blessings and greetings and all that stuff. It's wonderful, but I just don't have to worry about it anymore. (laughs) So uh, I have a bit of gratitude about that. Um, You know, I love this program. It not only saved my life, it gave me a life. And for that, I will be eternally grateful. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Jan. Uh, All right, next up we have Samantha.
2: I think, I think this will work. Can you all hear me? All right, I'm just gonna take a page out of your book and make sure that I have an eye on the time. Great. Yes. Is that better? All right. I'm Samantha. I'm an alcoholic. (laughs) Um, It's really great to be in women's space. It's really great to be in um, LGBTQIA I say queer space. I'm really glad to be here. Um, And I'm realizing I have to say this right now because like I'm a little freaked out always about getting kicked out of queer space. Um, I uh, actually Have been in a relationship with a man for 16 years, which ended formally on July 17th. Um, so the last two years have really, really sucked. Um, and that's not what I was planning to start off with. So what do you know? Um, but I will say what I was going to start off with, which is that, um, the way that I drank, I have, I didn't start getting serious about drinking until I was in my 30s, and my drinking history is short and boring. Um, it was not boring to me at the time, but it felt at the time was kind of that feeling of like driving a nice car with good suspension and great handling on a beautiful road that has just enough curves and ups and downs and trees to just be beautiful, and I realized that I was gonna drive off the cliff. Um, so I took the exit and what I remember, like, imagine like this beautiful road and I take the exit and it is dark and it is black and there is nothing that I can see but except for all of these people standing on the side, on the side saying, come on, keep going, keep going, you're going to get there, keep going, keep going. And that, that's the metaphor that I used to describe what drinking and quitting drinking was like for me. Um, so, what happened was that I was at a party that friends of mine hold, you know, every year, um, right before Christmas, and I drank six red Solo cups of vodka, and I was this tall then, and uh, and I was a woman then, and um, we were my spouse was driving, and we were going back to where we lived in Hayward from San Francisco, and I was on the San Mateo Bridge. Coming down off the high rise, and I knew that I had to stop drinking. It wasn't a voice. It wasn't something from out, It wasn't something from outside, but it wasn't a voice. I knew that I had to stop drinking. So that was on December twentieth of uh, two thousand ten. Which, when you work in a food bank, which what I did, is a really awful time to quit drinking. Um, but it was right on time for me, and. Um, Eleven days later, I walked into my first AA meeting, and what happened was that that morning, I was staying in bed late because you know high season, and um, and I was using my phone, and I knew that the web address for AA in the East Bay is aaeastbay.org. I don't know, did not know then, and don't know now how I knew that's what the URL was, and I found a meeting at the Rockridge Fellowship. At that time, it was very close to Rockridge Bart. And I knew exactly where it was because I used to park my car on that street when I lived in Montclair. So it was going to take me 25 minutes to get there, and it was 40 minutes before the meeting started. And I got out of bed. I got dressed. I went to my spouse. And I really didn't want to tell him this, but I did, said, I'm going to an AA meeting. And I ran out of the house and went up to this meeting. And I walked in. And there were 75 people in a room that was like less than half the size of this room. And that was my first AA meeting. Um, and I do remember I didn't know that this is what I was hearing at the time but the speaker was talking about the promises and he said that a situation that always baffled him was honesty and I was like yeah something I did not know that alcohol was my problem I knew that I had a problem I knew that I couldn't solve it so I came into the rooms under the second step and I wasn't convinced that alcohol was a problem for a long time but I knew that whatever was going on, I couldn't solve it. Um, the next weekday or work day, I went to a meeting at 6.15 in the morning. It took me half an hour to get there. Again, Rockridge Fellowship. And I went to that meeting seven days a week at 6.15 in the morning in Oakland when I lived in Hayward for the first four months, every day. And I did have this image of um, Malcolm X sitting in the back of my car Going by any motherfucking means necessary. (laughs) And, and for a long time that's how I read how it works. If you want what we have and you are willing to go to any motherfucking needs, means necessary, then you will follow this path. (laughs) So at that meeting I met my wise guy. He is not my sponsor. He was not my sponsor then. Uh, but when I need help I call him. When I, when my sponsor's not available. Um, and he promised me that if I read how it works every day, my life would get better. And I'm here to tell you, I read how it works every day and my life got better. That is the only promise that anybody has ever made to me that came true. The only one. And I say that being on the other side of having stood up in front of a bunch of people, told them I was going to be married to somebody for the rest of my life. So, um, yeah, still kind of angry about that. Um... (laughs) So he was right about that. Um, I got sober actually at the Piedmont Cafe, which was a few blocks away, um, and not at—I think of it as not as Rockridge Fellowship, but actually that was my that was my place for a long time. Um, and so that's what happened. I uh, went to meeting every day. Um, I re met a friend that I went to high school with. Super short version it turns out he got sober two weeks after I did. Um, both of us thought the other one had been sober for years by the time that we uh, met I met him at San Francisco airport um, and he is he is the my brother in sobriety he is a brother in my heart. Um, so that 's what happened. Um, what it 's like now um, I have. Man, the way that I behaved before I got sober So like, I was really angry all the time And I didn't know that And I um, threw things And I kicked things And I yelled And that was at work Um, (laughs) My partner, my spouse is a survivor of domestic violence So I never ever yelled at him And uh, took all of that out at work Um, Would not suggest that and then I quit drinking, and you all took away my best and favorite coping mechanism, and I didn't have anything else, and I didn't have anything else for a long time. Um, the guy that I worked for at that time uh, is st- staying with me because of some craziness in his life. He's staying with me for a little bit now. And I was telling him this story, and he said, and he's like the gentlest person ever. He goes, uh, it was a struggle for me when you quit drinking. I have told lots of people in the room about how I acted when that happened. I have not talked with him about it, and I sent him an amends letter yesterday um, telling him that I can't undo and I can't unsay the things that I did and said then, but I can tell him that my amends is that I don't behave like that anymore. Um, I haven't thrown anything in years, I haven't kicked anything in years, and I have mostly not yelled in a long time. Um, the the thing that I got when I came when when I was around for a while, and you know, I only quit drinking for six weeks. That was my plan, like six weeks. I'm going back to my regular life. You know, this is eight and a half years ago. Um, I am no longer angry the way that I used to be. I am no longer afraid the way that I used to be. I don't get as angry. I don't get angry as often. I do not spread the misery. I have a friend who says the ism is I share misery. That was me. Um, and I don't, I don't do that anymore. I have been, as I said, the last two years have really sucked. The only person who I have made miserable was already miserable because he was getting divorced too. Um, so I've been walking around a lot of rage and grief for a long time and on Friday Last week, I realized that I was no longer dragging around that 400-pound weight that I have been dragging for two years. Um, And I texted a friend of mine, and we were talking about it um, a little bit, and I actually quoted the book at him. Um, I'm feeling a new freedom and a new happiness. And, you know, so what happens, right? I walk in here, I open my conference packet, a new freedom and a new happiness. I'm like, Wow. This is this is going to be the one that I carry around for a while. Um, I get to um, show up and not resent helping other people, and I help people for a living. <laughs> but I don't have to resent that, and I don't have to resent just like hanging out and being. You know, um, I get I understand now that I get as much out of it, more probably. Um, so I, I feel like quitting drinking was a prereq for me to get to the steps and the traditions. And it feels, that feels like a really small thing for me to give up, to get this. Um, it is not, I am sober, not because of anything that I did. And at the same time, it's kind of everything I did. I showed up, I went to meetings, I mostly listened to the advice that I was given, the suggestions that were given to me. Um, I mostly followed them. And I, I have this whole new life. Um, and it, it's, I can't tell you <laughs> how nice it is not to be walking around in the rage that I lived in for, you know, however many years, you know, my, most of my life. Um, so, anyway, I am happy and frickin' free. And, uh, you know, that's how I feel today. If this conference had been a month ago, this would have sounded a little bit different. Um, but this is, a, this is how it is today. And I'm good with today. You all taught me good with today. I only have to do today. So um, thanks for doing today with me.
0: So it looks like we have some time. If folks wanted to share from the room, like 10-ish minutes.